What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatella Cateliers podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show here on, for you on this Thursday, June the 3rd, the year 2021. Give you uh, all the happenings and my opinions and my two cents as the NBA playoffs are moving along here as we are nearly out of the first and the opening round of the 2021 NBA playoffs. Gave you my two cents on Danny Ainge stepping down from his role in the uh, Boston Celtics front office and their former, now former head coach Brad Stevens is getting a promotion as a result. Gave you my two cents, of course, in Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the French Open uh, and her battle with her, her mental demons as far as her mental health is concerned. And, of course, uh, Coach K, the great Blue Devil, the great Duke Blue Devil uh, head coach for their basketball program announces that the 2020-2022 season will indeed be his last. Well, if you're wondering why you're hearing from me on a Thursday instead of uh, Wednesday like I had uh, promised and signed off with on uh, my birthday show on the 29th of uh, May, well, it's not, listen, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going I'm to I'm say this, and I'm going to say it loudly, so somebody, I don't know where, they, where they're located, but I'm going to say it loudly, so the idiots that are that run this stupid thing uh, get the message loud and clear, okay, this is what I'm going to tell uh, Anchor and Slash Spotify, who bought them recently within the last year or so, okay, when I am breaking down and when I am going on a 45 to 50 minute tangent about my birthday, about my birthday weekend and thanking everyone from Mike Babchick to, to Christopher Mad Dog Russo to Brendan Dillon uh, for wishing me a happy birthday, I should not look down at my iPad, the thing that I used to record these stupid shows on. Uh, I should not look down and and look at the and see the fact that that the anchor app essentially crashed on me because God forbid I talk for fifty five or fifty six or fifty seven or fifty eight minutes straight in the world. It's my show. If I want to talk for two hours uninterrupted, I am going to do so. And I'm gonna tell Anchor slash Spotify this: fix your stupid software. It didn't happen once to me when I came down to into my basement to record on. On Wednesday afternoon, it happened to me twice, and after the second time it happened to me, I was so pissed off. I said, "To hell with this! The Nick game's gonna come on in about 15 minutes." Going up, I'm going upstairs and watching the Nick game. Enough, and eating my Chinese food. Uh, fix your stupid software, Spotify. Fix it. I should not twice back to back. I go ahead and record, and I see it on my iPad. You know, it locks itself typically, but it also, you know, what it, it, you know, when the timer, the two minute timer goes off, it locks, but it still is able to finish recording. What I'm saying, I should not unlock it when I finally look down from looking at my computer. I should not look down and essentially see that my uh, that my recording is lost because your stupid app malfunctions and crashed on me. So then when I go back and see, well, where the heck did my audio go? I can't find it because it can't get recovered. Fix your app and your software. 
Nobody gives a crap, Spotify, about your stupid little dopey podcast that you, that you and Demi Lovato are trying to promote. While Demi Lovato sit up here, got the balls to sit up here and scream and yell about, about God forbid, we have diet crap in some godforsaken froyo shop in the middle of South Central LA. Nobody cares. Fix your app and fix your stupid software. It happened to me twice yesterday. If I want to talk for 80 minutes uninterrupted, let me do so. It's my show. I do what I want. Fix your stupid software. It happened and crashed on me twice yesterday. I essentially wasted two hours of my life that no one's ever going to hear because the stupid software keeps on crashing. Fix it. Nobody cares about these stupid podcasts that you all do with these dopey celebrities. They got, they got enough money. They don't need any more. Nobody cares what Demi Lovato has to say anyway. Simply screaming and yelling over, over, over diet options, diet cookies at a stupid dopey froyo shop. Nobody cares. Go to hell, will you please? Enough! My God. Anyway, let us continue. I want to take the time to thank each and every single one of y'all that uh, texted me if you have my number, sent me a DM on Twitter and or Instagram. Instagram, nice little uh, happy birthday shout out tribute story on Instagram. Mentioned me on Twitter. The Fowls, my buddies I went to high school and played football with. Uh, I want to thank each and every single one of you all that took the time to reach out to me and wish me a happy birthday on Saturday. Greatly appreciate it. Forever and eternally grateful to each and every single one of y'all. Had a fantastic birthday. Weather was cruel. The weather was a, was a complete mess. You know, rain, it was cold, wet, and rainy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Temperatures in the 50s. You know, for late May, knocking on early June, it felt like we were in the middle. We were in uh, late February, early March. I mean, my goodness gracious, it was terrible. All for Memorial Day to come around on Monday, and all of a sudden, it's picture perfect. It's a picture perfect day. 75 degrees, clear skies, not a cloud in the sky, bright sunshine. I'm like, where the heck? Where was this on Saturday? Well, I was bouncing around uh, and and lagging my uncle through every single mall within the state of Maryland. And where was this? And I. And in case, and if you don't know this about me, I'm the type of person where you know on holidays and on my birthday, my I'm going to be in a better mood uh, if the weather is better. So, for instance, on for a perfect example, my birthday, Fourth of July, Memorial Day slash Memorial Day weekend, which sometimes falls into my birthday weekend, one and the same, a la this past year. My I'm going to it's going to be a better holiday for me. Personally, if the weather's good, if it's Fourth of July and it's and it's sixty nine degrees outside and raining and raining buckets outside, I'm gonna try my best to be in a to be in a nice uh, peppy mood. But if if the weather's crappy, odds are my mood is gonna is gonna be too much better. Same thing for my birthday. I had a great birthday all in all. I'm not complaining. Greatly appreciate it. But 
it would have been my day would have been through the roof and off the charts if it was 85 degrees bright sunshine instead of you know in the in the in the mid in the low mid 50s uh and and raining constantly all day long but that's just me um but having said but having said but having said all of that you know it, it was interesting because when because when I got back home after being out all day for my birthday, went and ate breakfast at IHOP, which was uh, not the greatest meal I've had in the world. Um, had lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings to see the Miami Heat get swept. We'll get to them uh, in a minute. And went out to dinner. And if you haven't been yet, next time you come into the Baltimore, next time you come to the city of Baltimore, you have to, have to, have to, have to check out Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Which is by far the one of the greatest restaurants on this planet. Their sea, their crab cakes are so are so freaking good. I mean, and it wasn't. It's not just the crab cakes. I I ate my crab. Typically, I like to eat like the main. I typically like to eat the um the entree first and then get to my sides and vegetables and everything else. But for whatever the reason, I started with my asparagus. And I and I literally could not put the asparagus down. The asparagus, the grilled asparagus they had was off the charts out of this world. If you haven't been to Baltimore yet, when you come for the first time, or if you've been to Baltimore before you, you have to go there. You the one of the best restaurants I have ever been to. But after I you know uh, had my birthday festivities, I came back home. And, uh, you know, and I heard from many people wish me a happy birthday, which again, shout out to you all out there uh, who took the time to do so. I greatly appreciate it. But it's weird because uh, eight, at 840 on Saturday night, I had to uh, I had to our pal, uh, friend of the program and a good friend of mine, uh, Coach Brendan Iretson of my Archbishop Curley uh, varsity football team who I played for for a year uh, two years ago my senior year uh, at Curly I had to get on him and chastise him because he had to be prompted at 8.40 on a Saturday night to wish me a happy birthday and his reasoning is well his reasoning was was it the fact you know he's got young kids so that he had to tend to his kids which if that was the case god forbid i would have been totally understanding and totally get your father first take care of that was there anything with his family his his parents his brother whatever case his wife no 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 this man who and i should show you the text messages of of how many times this guy begs and pleads and i do mean beg and plead beg and plead to come on this show you know, I mean, I mean, NFL draft time. It's you know, when can I, can I come on the show? Then can I come come on the show this day? Can I come on the show that day? Can I have WWE music when you come out of the break to introduce me to? I mean, can we do a mock draft? I mean, mock draft. You have you know, I want to come on and just do a mock draft with you. Oh, I want to talk about the, this upcoming uh, season for us and what it's going to mean and da 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 da. I mean, I mean, to this guy, I'm from freaking Howard Stern. To this guy. 
I mean, I, I should show you the text messages of how many times he begs and pleads to come on this show. And I greatly appreciate it, and he's more than welcome to come on anytime he wants. But this guy, I mean, I allow him to come on, and this man foams at the mouth. I'm like, you're not coming. This ain't the Howard Stern show, Coach. Take it easy. But, I mean, he blew me off. Either blew me off or forgot, whatever the case was, his reasoning for not wishing yours truly a happy birthday at 8.40 on Saturday night Having to be prompted at eight forty on Saturday night was because he went because he, he was out of town for some for he was out of town for some friend's wedding. I mean, my, I mean, my goodness gracious, my goodness gracious me. I mean, blowing me off and or forgetting for some stupid asinine wedding between two people that are probably going to get divorced or or are going to get divorced by the time yours truly, God willing, walks across the stage at uh, at College Park down there in Maryland for the Terps. Really. I mean, uh, I mean that, that that that's that is that that that's that's a little rough. That's a little rough. I mean, even even Christopher Maddock Russo, who is a lot more famous and makes a lot more money than Ireton does, who's got a family of his, has got a family of his own. Kids are home from college. His youngest is still in school, whole nine yards. Got his own family. Got his own issues to worry about up there in New Canaan, Connecticut. He had a member guest golf tournament this weekend up at his uh, country club at Shorehaven that got washed out, much to my delight because of the bad weather. Even he had the courtesy to call me on Saturday morning while I was uh, while I was eating subpar uh, uh, sausage, subpar sausage and scrambled eggs at IHOP to what to take a to take a couple minutes to, wit, to call me up and miss, wish me a happy birthday. This is Chris Romano. Doug Russo now, sports talk radio icon and legend and pioneer, invented radio road down at the Super Bowl. He's got a 30 for 30 made on him. Coach, I didn't have a 30 for 30 made on him. Mad Dog does. Called me. I, I even heard from uh, Evan and Babchick, the two, uh, my, two my, uh, my, my, my guys that have the morning show on Mad Dog Station over there at Sirius. I heard from Evan. Evan didn't have to do that. Evan did not. Have, we had Evan on uh, last. Uh, we had Evan on last June. He didn't have to do that. He took the time middle of the afternoon to on Twitter DM me Happy Birthday. Thanks, Evan. Greatly appreciate. He didn't have to do that, especially and he especially didn't have to do that. And I didn't expect him to do that because I would figure, hell, his heat just got swept. Because his heat just got swept and eaten and ripped apart to shreds by Chris Middleton and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He didn't have to do that. He he was he's. I'm I'm t- when my when my Bengals show up. When my when my Bengals don't show up in a playoff game or in the ALCS when the Orioles got uh got swept out of there by the Kansas City Royals in the 2014 ALCS, I wasn't in a fantastic mood for a couple of days. And Evan and Evan took the time to slip to to wish uh, yours truly a happy birthday. He didn't have to do that. Same with Babchek. You know, Babchek, who's allergic to FaceTime. I told Babs prior to my birthday. I said, Babs, you know, I'm I'm. Let's FaceTime me and you for a couple minutes on my birthday. Just try to pick up. Try to pick up. Pick up the goddamn phone, Babchick. Will you please? What the hell does that mean? I'll try to pick up. Anyway, even he, and he's got young children just like Iverson. Young children just like Iverson does. Got a baby son just like Iverson does. Got Billy Babs on his Twitter page throwing kitchen utensils across uh, knives and forks and spoons across uh, across the across the counter at his local diner up in Mamaroneck, New York. Even he took the time 
in between getting drunk, uh, uh, sucking down uh, high noons and eating kielbasa sausages. Even he took the time to uh, text yours truly happy birthday. He, Evan, Mad Dog, all took the time to wish yours truly happy birthday. Yet, uh, Coach Ireton, who I who have spent many a days with, many a days. Knew each other and saw each other literally every single day, Monday through Friday, and and Saturday too with football for the lat for the for for two years in a row. He was my homeroom guy as well when I got the when I got the curly my uh, my upperclassman years of high school. Has seen me, met me, my family, my brother and sister, whole nine yards. Mad dogs never met me. I mean, Mad Dog's seen me. See, I've talked to Mad Dog many a times on the radio, and of course in private, and and we saw each other face to face on Zoom when we had him on prior to the baseball season starting in uh, in late March, March the thirty first. But I've never met Mad Dog. He, Iverson knows certain things about me and knows a little stuff that's just between me and him. That's about that's about me. That Mad Dog Babchick and Evan doesn't know yet. Mad Dog Evan and Babchick t- took the time to wish my happy birthday. All three of those guys who I've never actually physically met face to face live in person. Iverson has have seen them many a days, months and months on end, two years back to back. Hundreds of days, me it's me and him who begs me, and I do mean begs me to come on this show. Yet he couldn't be bothered uh, or had to be prompted at a quarter to nine at night on Saturday night to wish me a happy birthday because he's too busy uh, eating the filet mignons and the uh, and stuffing his face with uh, pigs in a blanket and drinking until he's half in the bag with uh, sucking down uh, the truly seltzers. And and too preoccupied of trying to how to learn to do the cha cha slide at some stupid asinine wedding a friend of his to wish yours truly happy birthday. Laugh, Ireton. That was funny. Too too busy trying to do the cha cha slide, the YMCA, and the uh, the Cupid shuffle. And, and God and God knows what else what else they were doing at that dopey wedding while chugalugging high noons, uh, Michelob ultras, uh, Heineken Heineken lights, and stuffing his face with filet mignons, pigs in a blanket, and uh, and uh, and the last remains of the wedding cake to wish you a surely a happy birthday. Yeah, Mad Dog, Babchek, and Evan, all three who I'm who I've never met face to face, person to person, face to face in person, took the time to wish me happy birthday. Mad Dog picked up the phone and called me. Yet Ireton had to be prompted to send a text message at eight forty at night. Cause God forbid we gotta, you know, God forbid we gotta drink until we're, ha- until we're again half in the bag at some stupid asinine wedding between two people that's probably going to get divorced by the time yours truly graduates college I mean really and I, and I told I, and I told Ireton and I told Ireton after the fact I said coach th- that wedding for those two people that got married I swear to God they better be married for 25 years minimum if I if I if I ever get if I ever get word that 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 they get the that they get divorced and and they don't last and they don't last minimum 20 25 years i'm a, 
he'll he'll never hear the end of it. Never hear the end of it. Played football for this guy. Saw him every day, two years in a row. Every day, hundreds upon hundreds of times. God knows how many hours. God knows how many minutes. God knows how many seconds. Sat next to this guy during uh, during mass at the because Archbishop Curley, in case you don't know, it's a Catholic school. Sat next to him many a time, many a time during the, during uh, during the Friday mass at Curley. Yet he couldn't bother to. Yet he had to be prompted at eight forty at night to wish yours truly happy birthday. Yet Mad Dog, who's got more important things better to do with his time uh, than wishing some stupid nineteen-year-old a happy birthday, to, had the courtesy to pick up the phone. With his, he's got his own nineteen-year-old to worry about, and Colin, who we've had on in the show uh, in recent times past, took the time to pick up the phone and spend and talk to yours truly for a few minutes to wish him a happy birthday. Evan took the time to DM me happy birthday despite his heat getting swept. And Babchek, who's raising his family, who's got his family of his own and raising his own uh, and raising his own children, who's allergic to picking up on FaceTime, but at least had the common courtesy and indecency to text me happy birthday on Saturday morning. That Iverton had to be prompted. Bad job by his part. Laugh, Iverton. That was funny. And another revelation that I got from uh, my birthday slash Memorial Day weekend. How about Jackson Smith? You know, remember Jackson Smith? I went to school, went to, went to school with him for a few years back in middle school. Uh, has been on in, in probably a year or so more than that. That's a bad job by my part. I'm going to uh, get him on uh, sometime within the uh, recent future. want to hear us. Excuse me. Here's thoughts on the Wizards who got eliminated last night in the home in his uh, Washington and uh, his Washington team. He's you know fan of the Washington Redskins slash football team, so I, I should get him on. But he had a graduation party. He he's a few years younger than I am. He just graduated uh, high school this year. Um, he had a graduation party at his house that got pushed back till Monday because of the aforementioned crappy weather. And I found out that his mother and his stepfather. Listen to this show, which I did not realize, and I did, and I was not made aware of until they told me. So, shout out to them for taking the time to uh, turn on and listen to you. It's truly talk about everything and anything, and at times screaming and yelling about issues going on within the world of sports. This is where it's it, folks. As far as uh, as far as uh, premier top tier sports talk podcasts are concerned, this is it. Pardon my take. Uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh, no, thank you. Th- this is it. The Amtelekatiyas podcast. Appreciate them for listening. My man Jackson Smith's mother and his tremendous stepfather. So we have that. We have Ireton. We have the bad weather this weekend. And for the love of Christ, Spotify, fix your goddamn app. So when I'm babbling away 50 minutes into the show, it doesn't all of a sudden crash and crap out on me to where all of my audio that I that I uh, produced uh, after I hit the record button essentially goes up in smoke and I can't find it. Instead of sitting up here and worrying about Demi Lovato's stupid asinine, and it is asinine, asinine podcast. Who in the hell gives a damn about what Demi Lovato has to say? After she screamed and bitched and moaned and looked like a complete ass 
about about some stupid asinine frozen yogurt shop in the middle of South Central LA and their dietary options on their menu. Holy hell, lady, get a life, will you please? Just shut up and go away. And so anchor, anchor, Spotify, Ireton, and my man Jackson's parents for listening to the program, which I greatly appreciated. Just getting started. I'll get into the NBA playoffs. Stick around. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the I'm Telling You TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the NBA playoffs. Um, as we are just about finished with the first round of the uh, nas- within within the National Basketball Association. Um, the next took care. Of, first of all, the games of this past weekend stunk. Uh, they all were bad, uh, non close, and not quality basketball games under any circumstances. Uh, the Nets, uh, the Nets, after they fell asleep on uh, last Friday night against Boston in Boston, took care of business uh, at the TD Garden on Sunday and Tuesday. They completed and sent uh, and sent the Celtics home for the summer, one twenty three to one hundred nine. Harden, James Harden had a triple double, uh, had a triple double on Tuesday night, putting up thirty four points. On put up 34 points. He shot 10 of 17 from the field, four of seven from three. Had 10 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, and two blocks in the game. A great performance from James Harden. Kyrie Irving put up 25 points in the game. Uh, had uh, three, got three boards, three assists, uh, and a block in the game. Kevin Durant 24 points. Uh, 24 points, four rebounds, three assists, three blocks in the game. They all combined. Um, they all combined in the last two games. They have just been absolutely phenomenal. The last couple, the Tuesday night, the big three combined for 83 points, 83 points on Tuesday night. And if you go back and look at their performance on Sunday, if my stupid laptop would work so I can go back and pull up my notes here, that'd be great. Um, I swear to God, man, with these st- stupid technology, it, it it should not be that freaking difficult to put together a bunch of cr- to put together some technological crap so it works properly when I have it to work it. I mean, you want to talk about something that's more frustrating and more aggravating than with these these Fortune 500 uh, technology companies that are worth billions that sit up here and put out pieces of crap that don't work. I mean, Jesus Christ, get it together, you. You stupid company, Spotify and Apple, get it together, will you please? Um, anyway, uh, going back to Brooklyn, 
uh, getting back to Brooklyn from the other night. Kevin Durant had put up forty, put up forty-two points. Uh, he, Irving, and Harden. Uh, if you go back and look, they combined for on set on Sunday night. They combined for a hundred and four points between the three of them. Durant had forty-two. Irving had thirty-nine. James Harden had twenty-three points. Just, I mean, a phenomenal performance from Brooklyn, who is one of, who, as you know, if you've seen them all all season long, they've had a phenomenal season, uh, shooting the basketball uh, and just one of the better offensive teams in the NBA. They shot fifty seven percent from the field together, as a whole, uh, as a team on Sunday, and scored one hundred and forty one points to send Boston home fishing, and Boston, who has been up and down all season long. Uh, you know, they played like world beaters to beat the Wizards. You know, they Tatum put together a nice performance on Friday. He put up 40 points in their loss on Sunday, but it wasn't enough when the Brooklyn Nets are scoring over 130, 140 plus uh, per game every single night in and night out. Um, it really does, it, you know, Tatum can score 50 points. It doesn't matter if you cannot stop the opposing, if you can't stop the opposing player. The New York Knicks uh, went home. Home, uh, for the season after they essentially, you know, following their win uh, the previous Wednesday on the, what was it, the 20, I want to say it's the 26th, was it the 26th? I think it was. No, the 23rd. Was it? No. It, my God. Oh my. Yeah, the 26th of May um, when they got that win at Madison Square Garden that Wednesday night. Um, they went to Atlanta and essentially just were not the same team. And offensively, they were not good uh, whatsoever. They lost. Uh, they lost in Game Five on Wednesday night, one hundred three to eighty nine. Their offense was not a factor throughout the entire throughout the entire game. As we hear background noise, uh, as we hear background noise uh, from my dopey computer, I apologize, but. Uh, but the next offense was just and Randall and Randall is not in Randall who had a phenomenal season and did a good job uh, all in all getting the Knicks to this point and getting them into the playoffs for the first time since 2013 he did not he he came up real small real 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 small in this playoff series and did not and he wasn't necessarily he wasn't necessarily atrocious in this series but it but as the team's quote unquote or supposed to be the team's best player he did not do enough to bring his team home um in these five games he averaged in this series he averaged 18 points he averaged 18 18 points 11 rebounds four assists shot 29 percent from the field which is just mind-bogglingly bad um and and shot 33 from 33 percent from three and uh and average and they average nearly five turnovers and and average five turnovers uh, in this series, it was just not a good performance, and you know, and the Knicks, who's had a phenomenal season, don't get me wrong, you know, the question is where they go from here is yet to be determined. You know, where where the, where can they go because they're not necessarily, you know, they're a few years away from essentially being a quote unquote destination spot in the NBA and being a championship contender. So they're on their way up, they're on the right track, but they they need a point guard. They need a point guard. That's for one thing. That that's essentially how the how Atlanta won this series. They have a point guard. You have we have Trey Young who 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 
played out of his mind in this series, the whole five games, and joining Michael Jordan as the only visiting players with three straight 30-point games at Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. And, and Julius Randle is, ha, has to scratch and claw his way to score in the low 20s. That's, as, as a forward, that's not a recipe for success. And depending on... And depending on uh, in- injury riddled in his 30s uh, to a degree, sort of past his prime, Derrick Rose, who's been around a minute and on the back nine of his NBA career, that's that's not that's not going to be the long term answer for the Knicks. And you cannot essentially expect to win championships by having, you know, g- average to average to uh, decent slash good players with with and, and and expect to cruise through the playoffs with a good head coach. You know, with a, he, he, every great all time great NBA coach has has a few superstars and or Hall of Famers on his team. You know, Phil Jackson had Shaq and Kobe and and Jordan Pippen. You know, Riley had Magic Johnson. You know, uh, and when he got to New York, he had Patrick. He had Patrick Ewing. You know, Greg Popovich had uh, had Tony Parker, uh, Manu Ginobili, and um, Tim Duncan. So the the great coach, the great coach has to have the great has to have the great player, or else he can't can't win nothing. You know, Bill Belichick did not get to get to all those Super Bowls. You know, as it, during his tenure, the head during his current tenure as the head coach of the New England Patriots, with uh, with Drew Bledsoe or um, or um, uh, Brian Hoyer as his quarterback, or Vinny Testaverde, you know, he had Tom Brady, and the Knicks need. And the Knicks, they need a point guard, and they need that player that has the ability that when the chips are down and when the Knicks' backs are against the wall, they're going to fight back, show some fight, show some grit, and take over the basketball game with the ball in his hands. That's what they, that's what they need. Their best player has to be a guard specifically, and they need a player that when the tough gets going and when it's go time, a la if the Knicks find themselves in a situation where they're in the playoffs again. They need a player that's going to have some grit and show some fight. And when and, and the best, and, you, and you'll know who the best player is on the court because the ball will be in his hands come crunch time. With the Hawks, that's how it is with Trey Young. He's their guard. He's their best player. The Hawks have a better roster up and down, and they, and they did a better job scoring in this series than the Knicks did. The Knicks offensively were not good in this series. Not good. Turned over the ball left and right in game five. They were absolutely I mean as a team they combined for as a team they combined for sixteen turnovers. You know, I say this all the time, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, it doesn't make any difference. Can't expect to win games, especially come playoff time, turn turning over the ball nonstop. Can't do it. And Julius Randle by himself by himself had eight turnovers. That's unacceptable. And was atrocious shooting the basketball. Eight of twenty-one from the field. Bullock four of ten from the field. Derek Rose, who you can't expect for him to bail you out every single night, three eleven from the field. Not good. And not a recipe for winning playoff series and not a recipe for winning playoff games. Knicks need to get better. Had a good season. Showed signs of improvement. They're on the right track. But they, but to be fair, 
And I understand that a lot of Knicks fans were over. You know, we won Brooklyn after they won one playoff game. I understand that, and I get all that. You know, going you won one game, and all of a sudden, you know, it's on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But and I understand that they haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. But they were very, very underwhelming, and should have even if they lost this series, they should have, should have taken the Hawks. Six, seven games, without question. I mean, I, I, and I came on here and I said this here on the show and I tweeted it out. This series is not only the best playoff series right now, as far as in, within the first round, but this series is going to go to deep. This series is going to go to full seven games. And realistically speaking, if the Knicks hadn't have won that game on the 26th, they would have gotten swept. They got to get better offensively. Randall can't turn over the can't turn over the basketball nine thousand times, and they need a point guard. They need a point guard. Hawks have it. That's why the Hawks win the series. Hawks have have their have their killer assassin. It's Trey Young. The Knicks need one if they want to take take their performance to the next level and get to winning a playoff series, and then we start to move on from there. Wizards only won their game, uh, won game four on Monday night, Memorial Day weekend, because uh, because of Embiid being out with a with a slightly torn in his meniscus. They went home for they went home for the summer, uh, losing to Philadelphia one twenty nine to uh, one twenty nine to one twelve. Russell Westbrook and I said it and I said at the time with this triple double I said it at the time and I'll say it again and I've said it for the last couple of years I've been talking about Russell Westbrook and NBA uh, and NBA playoff basketball when it pertains to them nobody cares and and he's not and if you think and I don't and I'm not saying anyone has said this but if you think in the slightest that Russell Westbrook is better than Damian Lillard you need your freaking head check. Russell Westbrook, give me Russell, give me Damian Lillard every single day of the week and twice on Sundays over Russell Westbrook. Because when tough gets going and when Russell Westbrook has to lay it all out on the line to fight, and I understand the Wizards technically weren't supposed to be here. They got him through the playing tournament and everything else. But in a playoff game, an elimination game, on the road, and I understand you know that Philadelphia on paper is a much better team. But for all of Russell Westbrook's quote-unquote greatness and how he's raved about and talked about as one that's going to go down in history as one of the greatest guards in the history of the NBA in, a pl- in an elimination playoff game on the road against, I think, the division rivals with Philly. No excuse why, why you know, you play, you play 38 minutes of the game and you go 7 of 20 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, and score 24 points. Uh, a, a very mediocre and average and meh underwhelming 24 points and turn over the basketball four times. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Bill scored 32 points, but but the Wizards issue and their Achilles heel, like the Knicks in their game, they turned over the basketball way too many times. 15 combined turnovers for Washington. Too many. Way, 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 way too many. Too many. And they did their best. They did. They did their best. The very could to stay in the game and to make Philly sweat. Even you know, heading into the second half of the game, but they turned over the basketball too many times. Their starters combined for eleven turnovers. Their starters: Gafford with two, Westbrook with four, and Bradley Beal with five. 
can't win playoff basketball games and expect to live to see a game six turn over the basketball 15 times. And I don't, and you know, he can be the all time triple doubles leader and he can put up as many triple doubles as he can in regular season games, you know, in the middle of January, middle of February, middle of March, middle of December until the cows come home. Nobody cares in this series. Okay. In this series, he did not, he, he, he won good enough. Won good enough. The most points he scored in this series was 26 on Saturday. Not good. Turned over the basketball at the minimum, minimum, three times. That was on Saturday. Other games, he, had, he turned over the basketball four times, three, he turned over the basketball four times in the three games in this series and six. So if you go ahead and you do the math, you go ahead and you do the math. Westbrook turned over the basketball. He turned it over four times in game five, four times in game four, four times in game, or excuse me, three times in game three, four times in game two, and six times in game one. He played five games. And turned over the basketball 21 times. All-time great players, all-time great guards in the NBA do not turn over the basketball 21 times in a, in a, in a, in a playoff series where they only play five games. I'm sorry. His field goal percentage in game two was 20%. Understand he got hurt, but it's that's that's not good. Game game four in the game that in the game that that the the only game the Wizards won in this series on Monday, played forty two minutes, scored nineteen points, and his field goal percentage fifteen percent. And I don't hear anyone sit up here and tell me, well, he had a triple double, he had twenty one rebounds, fourteen assists. Uh, nonsense to be considered an all-time great in the NBA as a guard. Your shooting percentage from the field cannot under any circumstances be 15 points when you're getting 42 minutes of action and you have more rebounds than you do points scored. I understand the whole facilitator nonsense and spreading the wealth as a point guard and all that other and all that other asinine gooberish crap that people were trying to give me about Lonzo Ball bullcrap. Put the ball in the hoop. All I ever hear about is Russell Westbrook's greatness, the, the, greatness here, greatness there. All the triple doubles, this triple double, the triple double king. All I ever hear about. Yet in playoff series, he does not show up and he does not bring his team home. And then it's. He, he just doesn't do it. Just doesn't do it. And, and in the five games that he played, he averaged four turnovers, scored 19 points, and and had a field goal percentage of 33% from the field and 25% from three. Not good. Not good. I don't care about the, the rebounds. I could give a crap about the assists. I could give two cents about his triple doubles. I don't want to hear not a word, not a not a peep 
about Russ Westbrook being a big time, big time, historically, basketball player, especially in the postseason. And be in the argument of, of being a quote unquote all time immortal great. Bradley Bill's the best player on the team, not Russell Westbrook. Does he make his team better to a certain degree? Yes, he does. You take Russell Westbrook off the Wizards, are the Wizards are, are the Wizards in the playoffs? No. But just because he's more valuable to the Wizards doesn't mean that he's the best player on the team. There's a big difference. Beal's the best player on the team, but Westbrook's more valuable. Both can be true. Both can be true. Lakers going up again. Lakers facing elimination on Sunday on uh, Thursday night um, after they after they lo- after they lost back to back games, allowing the Suns to take a three two lead heading into Game Six. Um, game six on Thursday on uh, Thursday night for a ten forty five tip. You know we're up two one. We're up two one in the, uh, in the, heading into the second game in Staples on Sunday afternoon until uh, until the Lakers did not uh, until the Lakers did not show up. Anthony Davis got hurt uh, hurt his uh, hurt his groin and did not and did not return for the rest of the game on Sunday. Um, so it was so it had to be the LeBron James show going up against uh, Chris uh, going up against the uh, the Phoenix Suns and a very collective effort from Phoenix on Sun on Sunday in their 192 victory. Everybody contributed. You only had only three players that played and that were suited up for action for Phoenix on Sunday. Only three players had single-digit points. Payne coming off the bench had 13, and everyone in the starting lineup had double digits. Jake Rod had 17 points. Miles Bridges had 11. Anton had 14. Chris Paul had 18. Devin Booker had 17 points. Meanwhile, Lakers, who failed to score 100 points, had a, did not have a good night at all shooting the basketball and scoring. LeBron James uh, was the only starter that had double digits. He had 25 points. Anthony Davis, who at time he did not in the 19 minutes he did play was not was not good. O of three from behind the arc, and uh, and two of nine uh, field goal uh, field goal percentage. Wise scoring a scoring a mere six points in the 19 minutes that he did play, um, and that was only one more point than Andre Drummond, who played 19 minutes had five. Shorter had eight. I mean, just a bad night, and it got worse heading and it got worse heading into. Uh, Heading into game four. No, was it game four? No, game five, I apologize. Game five on uh, two, on Tuesday night, in which the Lakers often I mean that, that in my lifetime, that's the worst that's the worst Lakers playoff loss I've ever seen. Didn't even crack ninety. They scored eighty five points. Phoenix blew them out, was up by thirty. Up by thirty at halftime in a one fifteen. And a 115-85 victory for um for uh for the Suns on uh on Tuesday night. Uh, the, this, the I mean I've never seen the Lakers play as bad as a have a bad of a game in the playoffs, especially but as bad a game shooting wise than they did on Tuesday night. LeBron James, he, Kyle Kuzma, and Horton Tucker were the were the only three players that managed to score double digits for the Lakers on Tuesday night. Everybody played. Uh, everybody played for the Lakers bench players. They every. 
everyone on the bench from Dudley to Mick Lamore, uh, their guard. All of them got minutes. The only player on the Lakers roster that didn't play on Tuesday night was Anthony Davis, of course. But everybody played. Um, and only three players had double digits. LeBron, the only one in the starting lineup, had 24. Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench at 15. Horton Tucker had 11. Everybody else had single digits and one, two, three, four, five players, two of them starters, scored zero points in the game. Dennis Schroeder, KCP, the starters, Dudley, McKinney, and uh, McLemore coming off the bench at zero. And Marcus Morris and Andre Drummond combined, who both started in this game, combined for 11 points. 11 points. And Dennis Schroeder took nine shots, four of them for three, and didn't make a, and didn't make a single one. I mean, it was just absolutely pathetic, pathetic. And then throw that in with Kyle Kuzma, who took one of the worst jump shots I have ever seen on the NBA during an NBA basketball game at the end of the first quarter. Got you know, crossed half court, got to the line where the where the coach's box ends on the right side of the uh, on the right side of the court, and chucked up one of the worst threes that had no chance of going in. And he he was on the left side. He was on the shooting from the left side of the basket and hoisted up a th- a three that was oh it was so bad and it bricked and I mean you heard it, it was boom it thunked right off of the lower uh the lower part of the uh, of the backboard on on the right side I mean it was so bad of a shot and so bad of a brick that I literally almost fell out of my chair laughing the shot was so horrendously bad uh, and watch, but watching Kyle Kuzma to play basketball is, is an eyesore to begin with. So you kind of get what you sign up for when you watch Kyle Kuzma play, especially when it comes to time. And you saw it many times when the Lakers had to ham and egg their way without Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, in the late winter, early part of the spring. You know, not 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 a very you know, watch watching watching Kyle Kuzma especially play along along with everyone else that isn't named LeBron James and Anthony Davis. A little rough to watch to watch them play to watch them play professional basketball on a night and night out basis, and then you and then you factor in the fact that Devin Booker went off with uh, went off for thirty points, uh, a steal, five rebounds, and seven assists. Miles Bridges did his job scoring uh, his old contribution, scoring thirteen. Um, and Payne coming off the Cameron Payne coming off the bench with sixteen points, and there you go. I mean, when the Lakers can't shoot the ball. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an and that's gonna be an absolute recipe for disaster. Not to mention the fact the Lakers turned over the basketball sixteen times, sixteen times, and Phoenix only turned it over four. And they, like the Lakers, had everybody play except for one player. They turned it over four times. Lakers turned it over sixteen. Same story with the Knicks last night, and same story with the with the Wizards with the Wizards on Wednesday night as well. You cannot, under any circumstances, I don't care who you're playing, I don't care who's on the court, I don't care what, I I don't care where the game's being played. Doesn't matter, and it's all irrelevant. Cannot expect to win games, playoff games, and playoff series turning over the basketball nonstop. Can't do it. And a Lakers turn over the basketball 16 times does them no favor when they can't shoot. And they're heading into the locker room at halftime down by 30 and score a, an embarrassing 10 points in the second quarter. 
Jazz sent Memphis home, uh, which you which you already figured once Donovan Mitchell was cleared to come back and play. They, you know, you figured that eventually the mojo and and the pixie dust was going to eventually fade out and fizzle out on Memphis anyway. After they had a nice little run, uh, beating the Spurs and beating the Golden State Warriors in the playing tournament, and then uh, punching uh, Utah in the mouth in Game One. Donovan Mitchell comes back. Memphis uh, sends, uh, excuse me, Utah sends Memphis fishing uh, for the summer. Trying to think, is there any other series that I uh, might have forgotten? Uh, I, Portland, I know Portland and Denver, that game is tonight. I'll recap uh, game five uh, shortly. Um, I think it's uh, Mavericks and Clippers, I think is the only one that is still on the table. I mentioned that, uh, or I didn't mention, but I'll mention it now. Uh, the Heat non-competitive, outside of game one, where they uh, where they had uh, the Bucks on the ropes uh, heading into, you know, where the game was decided in the final seconds of the overtime period and game, and game one on that Saturday afternoon in late May. Outside of that, the Heat were not, were not a factor and were not competitive at all whatsoever against the Milwaukee Bucks and were taken to the cleaners by Middleton and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo in that series. The Heat will not repeat as the Eastern Conference champions. We give them the kiss of death and send, and, uh, send them fishing along their merry way. Um, and then, of course, you have um, the Clippers and the Mavericks, uh, which has been a which has been a very weird and crazy series, considering that no team, no team um, has won, no home team. Excuse me, has won a game throughout this series. Dallas is up three two. All three of their wins have come on the road. Um, they have beaten the Clippers three games in a row now at Staple at the Staples Center in Game Five. In uh, Game Five, they won by Dallas. One they won against the Clippers, one hundred five to one hundred. Kawhi Leonard with a complete air ball and just a ugh, just an ugly shot to end the game. Uh, after they had a bad offensive possession where they got a break and they stole the ball from Dallas and they couldn't make a tap-in basket to uh, to bring, uh, I believe, I think it was either to tie the game or to bring, uh, or to bring Dallas within, uh, or to bring Dallas's lead within a point or so or whatever it was. It was, it was to make the game closer than five points. Um, but they could not make a tap-in basket after getting the gift of all time and playing excellent uh, and playing excellent defense, getting a steal, and they couldn't make a tap-in basket to, uh, you know, to uh, essentially close to close the deal. And then Kawhi Leonard goes to the corner at the in the final seconds of the game. They didn't hurry. They didn't get the shot off. Uh, down by five points, you got to sort of catch and shoot, uh, you know, catch and shoot, make the shot, then inbound to Dallas and immediately found just to have a prayer. Um, and they took too long in their final possession, and Kawhi Leonard with a three to close out the uh, to close out the end of the game completely misses the basket altogether, and uh, and the L.A. is uh, 0-3 at Staples in this uh, opening series of the postseason against Dallas, losing by five. Um, and you know the Kawhi Leonard 20 points, not good enough. One of seven from three, uh, seven and 19 from the field. Uh, five, five turn. He and Paul George combined for nine turnovers again. And I sound like a broken record. I'll say it, so I'm blue in the face. Can't win games turn over the basketball, folks. You just can't do it. 
they turned it over 12 times to Dallas's eight. And when when supposedly the two best players on the team are combining for nine turnovers, that's not a recipe for success, especially when the two players, two best players arguably on the team, Kawhi and Paul George, combined for 43 points. Uh, and both cannot and both uh, combined were four of f- four of uh, 14 shooting from three and did not have an excellent night shooting the basketball as a team. They shot 36 percent. Uh, from three, not good enough. And Kawhi Leonard, for all of his, for all of his greatness and all the rah rah that's surrounding him and what he did for the Raptors, everything else has been very, very, very underwhelming in this series, especially at home. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic has just set the world on fire. Forty-two points, uh, forty-two points, fifty percent, uh, uh, three-point field goal percentage. Uh, had uh, turned over the basketball four times, which you don't like the most. Uh, he, no one turned over the basketball more times uh, that played for Dallas on Wednesday night than he did. But he had uh, 14 assists, a steal, eight rebounds, scored 42 points, um, and also made some history. Uh, also made some history uh, as far as uh, and had a first hot and had the first half of the ages. In the first half, he had 27 points, eight rebounds. And excuse me, 27 points, eight assists, three rebounds for the game. Did not have a good fourth quarter, but he joined Michael Jordan, Bob McAdoo, Kareem, and Wilt Chamberlain as the most points in his first 11 playoff games in the history of the National Basketball Association. But interesting to see, you know, will will the trend continue? Uh, Will the trend continue of the road team winning every single game? Uh, in this series, I think this this was I believe this is the first time that that's happened since uh, in '95 with the Rockets. Uh, that that game that game six is a standalone. There's no games. There's two games on to, on Thursday. There's only one game on on Friday. That game is at nine o'clock. Holy hell! Not, a standalone NBA playoff game at nine o'clock on ESPN. I mean, are you on a Friday night? I mean, and the and it's not like that. The game is in Los Angeles. The game's in Dallas. Dallas and the, the Dallas, Texas, Arlington. For that's that's in the Central Time Zone, and we got to start the game. A uh, uh, standalone. This isn't, you know, they got to fit in. They got to fit. You know, they got three or four games on their hands. They got to and they got to fit them into the puzzle as best they can. There's one game on on Friday, and it starts at nine o'clock at night on ESPN. I mean, are you at? Are you at? Oh, we can me here. You can't. You cannot start that game at eight. And have the game start, you know, and have the game start at seven at seven local time, and have the game start at five in the afternoon LA time. I mean, they're they're making the game start at they making the game start at five in the afternoon for the for the Portland and Denver game on Thursday night. Why can't they do the same for the standalone game between uh, the Clippers and, and and the Mavericks? I mean, nine o'clock, really. Anyway, be interesting to see if that trend continues. Every road team winning. Uh, the series heads back to Dallas. The Clippers are the road team. Be interesting to see if Dallas, or excuse me, if the Clippers can force a game seven, or the or the Mavericks can be the only uh, road, uh, the only home team to win a game in this series and uh, send the Clippers home fishing for the summer. Um, and then, of course, the final series 
um, that I want to get to that actually uh, is and actually is going to, and 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 looks like has the potential to be thus the first round series uh, uh, the first round series of them all after I came over here and said that this series is going to be buried in the sand by the network starting at 10:45 at night on NBA TV and the, and it being two uh, West Coast teams with two West Coast teams and everything else. Well, and that is between. Well, it looks like it won't be that. That that may be the only series you'll get that may go to full seven games because uh, the Trailblazers, because the Trailblazers and the um and the Denver Nuggets have uh, swapped have uh, swapped punches and have matched each other tit for tat in this series. Denver winning 147 to 140 in Game Five on Tuesday night, and one of the greatest. Uh, one of the greatest and most uh, thrilling and intriguing college college uh, NBA playoff games you're ever going to see, and Damian Lillard with the performance for the ages. Yes, that was a that was a that was a bad ticky tacky foul on Rivers uh, on Damian Lillard when they had a foul to give at the end of the fourth quarter at the end of regulation on Lillard. That was a that was a bad ticky tacky foul that should have never been called. Uh, and bad job of the officials by essentially assuming that Denver with the foul to give wanted to use it on that particular moment in time. But how about Damian Lillard, who had one of the greatest playoff? You know, wasn't alive for Jordan against the Celtics in '86. If I if I got that uh, if I got that read properly, uh, double nickel, fifty five points, shot seventy percent from the field. Uh, and from three, he made 12 threes in this game, which broke Klay Thompson's record and now holds the all-time NBA record for the most three-point shots made in a playoff game. Damian Lillard now, uh, who's just who's a fa- absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal talent and had a stupendous game. Uh, and that you know, playing six quarters against Denver on Tuesday night in high altitude, shot seventy percent from the field and from three, nearly perfect from the free throw line, put up fifty-five points. Uh, had ten had ten assists. You can't sit there and say he ball hogged. He's he had ten assists, ten assists. The second, the second, second, the most assists. You know, a player for uh, Portland had on Tuesday night was uh, was Powell with three. He had 10 assists, and Carmel Anthony coming off the bench with three. Had 10 assists, six rebounds, a steal, and three blocks. And oh, by the way, in the 52 minutes, six quarters of basketball, he only turned over the ball one time and scored 55 points. In the 52 minutes, six quarters of play. And shot 70% from three and from the field in general overall. And... Hit two clutch last second game tying threes to send the game into the first and the second overtime. One of the greatest playoff performances that I have ever seen in my years of watching NBA basketball, and one of the greatest playoff performances that you are ever, ever going to see. Dame Dollar, Damian Lillard. I mean, he was absolutely sensational. On Tuesday night, sensational, sensational, and it is criminal that Portland did not did not put the cherry on top with his uh, fantastic performance by winning the game. 
McCollum was the coup de grace, stepping out of bounds at the in the final closing seconds of the second overtime. But it is criminal, absolutely criminal, that Portland did not put the cherry on top and win this game. At least, at least so his fifty-five point performance will hold some weight in the future. Because you look back and say, Dame Lillard he had fifty-five points, and also we won the game. Now it's you know he scored fifty-five points, and Dame give him all the credit in the world with his tremendous humility. And he came out and he was brutally honest in the press conference after the game. and says fifty-five points, and said among other things, I'm paraphrasing, fifty-five points mean nothing. We lose one more game. That's it. We're done for the season. We cannot lose another game yet. We cannot lose another game in this series. Not another one. And give Dame Lillard all the credit in the world for focusing on the task at hand and what's on more important other than his physical, other than his uh, personal stats and his personal acumen and worrying about the team and winning a playoff series. You absolutely love that about him. He's a selfless player. It's the team before him. It's his play. It's his team. It's uh, it's the organization before him. It's the fans before him. He is. He's not a rah rah me guy that wants all the attention and wants all the. You know, all the focus to be on him. It's about the team, which you absolutely love and appreciate about him. Uh, especially if you're, you know, especially if you're the older, uh, the older fan that gets turned off by the uh, by the self-centered, self-indulgent athlete of today. Which uh, you know, but Daniel Lillard is the is the antithesis of that. And I don't under and I don't see and I don't understand how you cannot appreciate him and appreciate what he's done throughout his NBA career and what he's done in the last couple of years. He, he and his buddy C.J. McCollum getting the Portland Trailblazers to the playoffs on a year-in, year-out basis. I mean, he... And and, 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 I'm, and I'll be pulling for him tonight because I would ha- absolutely hate to see him go... The, the Nuggets need need Jamal Murray. It's 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 clear as day and it's, ob- and it's obvious as all get out that they need Jamal Murray. Because they are not the same team without him. But I'll be pulling for Damian Lillard on Thursday night. Pulling for him and rooting for him like hell. Because I would hate, I'd, I'd hate it to see him and Portland go home again in the early rounds of the playoffs. Especially especially if, if, the, if the Lakers end up losing tonight and get eliminated by Phoenix. Curry ain't the Lake. The Warriors fail to make the playoffs. The Lakers could be a, could be out of could be out of there at the end of the first round. They need, John Morant's out. He's gone home. They don't have too many players in the Western Conference, you know, that that have as big as a you know that's as big as Damian Lillard is per se. They don't have many of them left. Damn, uh, Booker's been around a minute, but damn, uh, excuse me. Booker's been around a minute, but he's not a he's not a household name yet. Not everybody loves Chris Paul. Um, who else you look in the West again? I mean, Luca. You got you got Luca. Uh, you got Luca in Dallas, and you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with the Clippers. But you know, one of those two teams are going to be gone after a while. So, so for the NBA standpoint, they would like, if, especially if LeBron gets eliminated by the end of tonight. They, you would want Dame Dollar to still be playing playoff basketball and to make it to see the weekend to uh, to see next week and to see the weekend into the second round. But now we pulling for him like crazy. I mean, very very underrated and very underappreciated. I mean, for all this talk about Russell Westbrook and his stupid triple doubles, Dame Dollar's got ice in his veins. 
games on the line, games on the line, postseason and regular season now, playoffs, regular season, games on the line, Damian Lillard is going to say, give me the ball in my hands, put the ball in my hands, y'all follow me, I'll put this team on my back, and I don't give a crap if I got to do it by myself. I personally will bring this team home and deliver the goods St- and uh and 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 win this game and win this game for this team. Westbrook doesn't do that. Damian Lillard does. And I don't care about who gives a crap about triple doubles. Nobody cares. So Russell Westbrook and the triple doubles is so overrated it's mind-boggling. Dame, Damian Lillard. Give me him every day of the week and twice on Sunday over Westbrook. Without Question. Game was on the line twice. Twice. This man, without an issue, sinks threes to keep the game going and to keep his team alive. And he's done it many other times in playoff settings, too. Blew up the, blew up the thunder in 2019 or 18, I think, is when he hit that shot. And when he won... The Blazers, their first playoff series in 19 years, uh, you know, about uh, what's going on 10, what's going on 10 years ago uh, when he first got to Portland. Show me, show me, give me an example of Russ Westbrook, and and I don't mean by triple double. I mean put the ball in his hands. He's got to make he's got to make a tough and or clutch jump shot to either tie the game to keep the game going or win it. When the game's when the game and the fate of his team is on the line, Dame Lillard has done that and has done that, and will probably keep on doing that regardless what happens in this series with Denver. Russell Westbrook, eh. but he he's he he one uh, was saying he's one hell of a basketball player is an understatement, and the only reason why he doesn't get talked about more. And he doesn't get mentioned more because again, he's not that rah rah in your face type of guy. He doesn't he doesn't bring about a lot of and draw a lot of attention to himself. He plays in Portland, Oregon. Plays for the Portland Trailblazers, which isn't gonna you know compared to the Lakers, compared to the Warriors and teams of that nature. He plays on the West Coast, and he plays a position. That's overshadowed by the Kyrie Irvings, the James Ardens, the Russell Westbrooks, uh, the Steph Currys, the Clay Thompsons of the world. And he hasn't played an NBA final in his career. But I'm gonna tell you something right now about Damian Lillard, and and th- and this is after he and th- this is after he couldn't th- he couldn't shoot the ball off a boat into into the Pacific Ocean, the game before in Game Four on s- last Saturday. He was atrocious shooting from the field. But I tell you something right now. Damian Lillard is about a championship or two away from becoming arguably one of the greatest guards, if not greatest players in the history of the NBA, in my personal opinion. I don't, I unless you were a Denver Nugget fan in, during Game Five, I do not see. I I do not see how you how you, how you can't dislike and and not like Damian Lillard. 
even if you're the old, uh, even if you're an old fogey and the old get off my lawn guy that doesn't like the the modern day enthusiastic bombastic um, in your face uh, self righteous uh, attention seeking athlete, Damian Lillard is the is the antithesis of that quote unquote stereotype or that quote unquote. Um, Mantra, and he's and he's against the super teams. He doesn't he doesn't see the challenges, and he doesn't necessarily like you know uh, pairing up with his buddies and pairing up with the games all time with the games best, and essentially wreaking havoc and ruining the league, and winning a championship and winning a championship the quote unquote cheap way. Rather do it the old-fashioned way. I mean, went here in the team that drafted me, the, the team that I've been with originally. Let me stay here, be loyal to them, be loyal to the city, be loyal to the organization, be loyal to the fan base, be loyal to the players that I play with, C.J. McCollum included, and let me see if I can win a championship in the competitive Eastern Conference the hard way and, in certain people's eyes, the honorable way. I don't see how you're not like Damian Lillard. He's one of the best players in the NBA right now. And again, about a championship or two or three away from being, in my eyes, one of the game's all-time greats. He's that freaking good. Think I got to everything, right? Think so. Take a break. Give you my thoughts on Danny Ainge and the, and the Boston Celtics right after this. And you're going to. Welcome back to the um, Telica TIS podcast. Switching or sticking with the NBA, and that's the uh, regarding the Boston Celtics, who, like I uh, aforementioned, got bounced from the uh, from the NBA playoffs uh, by the Brooklyn Nets the other night. Uh, and shortly after the next day, on Wednesday, um, it was announced that Danny Ainge, their uh, their president of basketball operations for the Celtics, announced that he was stepping down and retiring, and uh, their head coach uh, and their head coach uh, for the last eight seasons will uh, has get, got promoted to take Ainge's spot as the uh, head of basketball operations for the Boston uh, for the Boston Celtics, and the Celtics are in the need for a new head coach with the promotion of their head coach in, uh, in Brad Stevens. Ainge, of course, uh, the, uh, the former Celtic player and, uh, and, Celtic GM, and Celtic GM 
uh, he uh, just to go over uh, the team during Angels run in the last 18 years they've made the playoffs 15 times seven conference finals two NBA finals and a championship in 2000 uh, in 2008 and since 2007 the Celtics have won more playoff games than any team in the NBA um, and then Stevens of course during his uh, tenure as uh, as the uh, Celtics head coach. 354 282 record, seven consecutive playoff appearances, seven or excuse me, three Eastern Conference Finals appearances, uh, and that is after he uh, coached Butler. Uh, and that is after, of course, when he uh, coached Butler, he got the Celtic job. You're hearing rumors and you're hearing stirs from up in Boston that they did this and they only promoted Stevens, which you would figure be I, which would be. Uh, head scratching considering that you know that he hasn't in a lot of Celtics fans eyes he hasn't done a uh, superior job uh, as far as uh, as far as coaching the team is concerned and getting the absolute best out of them and the team's inconsistency and everything else and I've heard and I've heard talks out of Boston from the fan base among others that you know this is because uh, they signed Stevens and I'm gonna pull this up so I can get the specific I get the specifics for you, but they kept Stevens on board and promoted him because of the fact that um, that Stevens was um, that Stevens was uh, was extended. Let's see if I can figure this out for you, because uh, they still have to pay him. They still have to pay. Uh, they still have to pay the Celtics. Do they have to pay Brad Stevens? And he wasn't in a. And he wasn't in a scenario where um, they could essentially just let. Where they could, uh, if they wanted to, they could have let. Um, they could have let uh, you know Ainge step down, and they could have let Stevens walk uh, as the coach. Uh, go to sports sport track for the information here. He was signed through the 2026 season. So after, so he still would have had to. So he had a five-year deal, and that deal would have kicked in 2021-22, and then all the way through the 2026 season. So. Uh, with a uh, does he have an option? I don't think he does. Um, so he would have been the head coach. So he would have been the head coach for Boston through the 2026 season, and they would have had to have pay him. And rather than uh, with dealing with the buyout scenario and all that sort of stuff, uh, they figured, hey, you know, and they and they might not have loved him as a head coach. Who knows? But they still would have had to have pay him. And the only way for them to continue to pay him throughout the throughout the uh, you know throughout the um, remaining of his contract is if he takes Angel's spot uh, in the front office, whether he'll be an actual GM and essentially put see if he can put the team together and worry about drafting and free agency and trades and everything else, or will he essentially be still the de facto head coach and pull the strings a la like they do in baseball from the front office and essentially pull the strings of whoever they're going to get um, to be uh, Stevens' replacement as head coach is yet to be determined. But Stevens gets promotion, head-scratching, yes, 
but you look but from an economic standpoint it makes sense because you know they're go, they're going to someone within the organization and they and they got to finish paying out uh Stevens's Stevens's contract so you figure that's why that they went to Stevens uh to be their new head guy a lot of other uh, former NBA players and coaches who had you know Riley as a perfect Riley as a Phil Jackson was horrendous yes Riley one of the greatest coaches this game has ever seen goes into the front office and wins nothing but championships as as the as the head man in the in the Heat front office made the NBA Finals last season you know Jerry West although he was a player never any GM experience look at him um, but. And that's just to throw a couple of names out there, but interesting to see uh, if this plan for Boston pans uh, pans out later uh, in the franchise's future. Their head coach has yet to be uh, determined. And then you move on to Coach Mike Shashevsky, uh, who was the coach at the University of uh, University of Duke for the Blue Devils. He announced uh, it was an, he had a press conference earlier today on Thursday, but it was announced on Wednesday that. The two th- that the 2021-2022 college basketball season will indeed be his last as the head coach of the Blue as the Blue Duke. Blue, I'm combining Duke and Blue together, making that Blue uh, word that doesn't exist as the Duke Blue Devils head coach. Um, this past season was the only se- this past season. Uh, not counting the 1920 season because no one played in the tournament. It was postponed. This was the first season since uh, it was the first time since 2000. No, not even that. The first time since 1994, the 1994-1995 season. This past basketball season was the first time since 94-95. That's 25 years. That's 25 years of making an NCAA tournament, and that was the first time. In 25 years, where Coach K and his Duke and his Duke Blue Devils team failed to make the tournament, he uh, his career he's a he's 1,170 and 61. That's a 764 winning percentage overall. That's uh, also including the time that he spent at Army from 1975 to 1980. He's been at Duke ever since from 1980. Uh, the 2000 to 2022. I mean, think. I mean, he's as. I mean, Babchick and Evan, who I brought up at the top of the program, he's been the Duke head coach as long as Babchick and Evan have been have been alive, and they turned 41 this summer. You know, my dad's 43 years. My dad's 43 years of age. The majority of my dad's lifetime, Mike Shashevsky has been the coach. Uh, has been the coach at Duke. Which is which is just crazy and just hard to believe. At Duke now, uh, one thousand nine hundred wins, three hundred and two losses, winning percentage at Duke seven eighty four. Um, he's had uh, he's had he's won Coach of the Year ACC. He's won Coach of the Year in the ACC five times. He's won uh, he's won, he's won Coach of the Year three times and Naismith Coach of the Year. He's won national championships. He's has one. Uh, he has one, two, uh, three, four, five, five-time national champion. 
He's made the final four outside of those five titles. One, two, uh, one, two. This is okay. So final fours, final fours. Here you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. He's been the final four ten times. Has won the national championship or eleven? Do I have that read properly? So he's won a national championship. One, two, three, four, five, five times. Been to the final four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth times. Hell of a coach. And as and and definitely is is the game's all time greatest and definitely is the game's all time greatest coach. Again, for this past season, first time since '95 where his team failed to make the NCAA tournament, um, has won. Has won, uh, you know, has won NCAA. Has been to the NCAA tournament many a times. Appeared in a over a dozen final four at a dozen final fours. I mean, this is one of the greatest, greatest college coaches, not just college basketball, one of the greatest college coaches of all time. Uh, you know, he's got a, again, gave you his record, um, has coached at Duke since 19, uh, since 1980, was uh, Knight's assistant at Indiana, uh, coached at Army a little bit in the mid, in the mid late 70s. He's been to the NCAA. He's won. He's won the NCAA national championship five times. Been to twelve Final Fours, fifteen NCAA tournament, uh, NCAA tournament bids. Do I have that read properly? No, ACC tournament. I apologize. He's won the ACC tournament fifteen times. He's won the ACC regular season title twelve times. Been to the Final Four twelve times. Have won the national championship five times. Three-time Naismith Coach of the Year. Um, five-time ACC Coach of the Year. For what it's worth, he also has won gold medals in the Olympic Games for coaching the men's national team in two thousand eight, two thousand twelve, and two thousand. And sixteen, and as an assistant in '84 and in '92 in Barcelona, um, and also first time in 25 years this past season, where its Duke Blue Devils team failed to make the NCAA tournament. So from '96 to, and I'm not going to count the uh, the year where it was COVID, but from '96 to 2019, his teams were in the NCAA tournament. I could wax poetic about the number one picks and the lottery ball players and the All Americans and the future uh, and the future basketball Hall of Famers that he's coached by to be here a week from Tuesday, going through every single player, uh, you know, that he's coached at Duke for the last forty plus years or so. One of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. Um, he's seventy four years of age, so you figure. So you love something that much, but you figure eventually all good things must come to an end. Coach Shashevsky is Duke College basketball. You know he and Roy Williams, who retired earlier this spring, they are the two faces and the two 
along with Dean Smith as well, the uh, old uh, North Carolina coach as well back in the day. Those guys are college basketball in the state of North Carolina, and those two guys by themselves, along, of course, with Wooden and a couple other names you could throw at me, are have been the face of college basketball for the better part of the last 25-plus years or so. Just, I mean... Get, get the game will not be the same, of course, without Roy Williams, and it will not be the same after this season when Shashevsky retires. Hat goes off to him. Twelve Final Fours, fifteen and uh, ACC tournament championships, twelve regular season titles, and five NC and five national championships as the head basketball coach for the Duke Blue Devils men's team from nineteen eighty until 2022 over a thousand wins as a head coach he's 97 and 30 in the NCAA tournament and 63 and 21 in the ACC tournament uh, as well so Mike Krzyzewski is going to hang it up after this upcoming season uh, for college basketball hats off and as Mike and the OC would say Mazel Tov to uh, and the Jewish people would say Mazel Tov to Coach K uh, as his Hall of Fame career uh, is coming uh, down the stretch uh, for Coach K. Take a break, get to Naomi Osaka to close out the show right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelecatelius podcast and closing out the show with some uh, sports news that broke uh, during the week. And that is the fact that uh, that superstar tennis player Naomi Osaka came out earlier this week and said that she is withdrawing from the uh, from the from the 2021 French Open. Uh, this is essentially the result of a firestorm that erupted when she said that she isn't going to talk to the media because of her anxiety issues and to protect her mental health and everything else. And then the French Open stupidly came out and said, well, this came out and threatened uh, and all four of the Grand Slams came out and said that, that they're going to threaten her with disqualification and and uh, and. Uh, suspension if she boycotts the media which she had no issues with and she had no issues of course like all the other sports you got to pay a fine when you don't talk to them she had no issues with paying the fine and uh and these grand slams pushed their hand and uh, or had their hand pushed and looked ended up looking like an east end of a westbound horse because they need outside of Serena they need Osaka to sell these women's tennis tournaments because because no one in America cares about about these uh, about these other girls that participate they draw flies uh, in these uh, in these stadiums in these arenas and they cannot get a rating on television so they need outside of Serena they need Osaka to, to participate. In these tournaments, as as much as she possibly can. So when they and these and the French Open in particular completely fouled up, and they essentially threatened her. So she said, "Screw you! I'm not doing this. Not putting up with this." She came out on Instagram and said this on Monday. Um, and I can read it for you right here, saying, "Excuse me, this is what she put." 
saying, quote, Hey everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted a few days ago. I think now the best thing for the tournament, that's the French Open, and other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on tennis that's going on in Paris. I never wanted her, essentially her media boycott to become a distraction, which, and it got a lot of people talking, to be a distraction, and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clear, so... To, uh, self-awareness and taking note that, hey, I, I could have handled this better myself from my end, uh, saying, quote, more importantly, I would never trivialize mental health or use the term lightly. Uh, the truth is that I have suffered long bouts of depression since my U.S. Open win in 2018, and I have uh, had a really hard time coping with that, and anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and everyone has seen me in tournaments only that I will often wear headphones that helps dull my social anxiety. Though the, prentice, the tennis press has always been kind to me and I want to apologize, especially to all the cool journalists who I may have hurt. I am not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I really get nervous and find it stressful to always and try to engage and get the best answers I can. So here in Paris, I was already feeling vulnerable and anxious, so I thought it was better to exercise self-care and skip press conferences. I announced it preemptively because I do feel like the rules are quite outdated in parts and wanted to highlight that. I wrote privately to the tournaments, apologizing, saying that I would be more than happy to speak with them after the tournament as the slams are intense. That's the grand slams, of course, she's referring to. I'm going to take some time away from the court now, but when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour and discuss ways we can make things better for the players, press, and fans. Anyways, hope all... <laughs> she is such a sweet person. Hope all of you are doing well, staying safe, love you guys, and I'll see you when I see you. Uh, that is uh, from Naomi Osaka's Instagram page. And I gave it some, some thought. I let the swirl around in my head a little bit. Heard people's opinions and everything else. And come to my uh, final opinion and the final conclusion. For me personally, I have no problem in what she did. Um, if she feels the need that her, you know, the old phrase, and it's, and it's true, health is wealth. Um, you know, if you ain't got your health, you ain't got nothing. So if she feels the need to take the time, you know, that uh, that her uh, her mental health and her uh, overall well-being as an individual is more important than playing tennis. God bless her and shout out to her. Um, and this isn't a situation where, you know, she doesn't want to talk to the media because of the fact, you know, she lose she loses. She uh, she's she's the one of the best. She might be. I'm not sure. I'm not in. I'm not into the tennis on a day in day out basis consistently. I'm kind of like a casual quote unquote tennis fan. But he's she's one of the top tennis players, women and men's in the world and one of the best and coming off of an Australian uh, open uh, victory uh, back in the winter time, so you can't sit up here and say, "Well, you know, she's doing it because because uh, she lo she doesn't lose that that often." But uh, and I get it, you know, me per you know, I get it, me personally as someone who is the exact opposite with her when it comes to, you know, if it was me, 
you know, I'd be smiling, chomping at the bit. You couldn't get me. Why do you, I mean, hell, why do you think I'm talking into a microphone to you guys right now? You know, I love talking into a microphone, giving people my opinion, giving people what I think. I love going out there, you know, in the media, whether it's radio, social media, and Lord willing, in my future television, and telling people what I think and giving my opinion. Not and being and and I'm comfortable being in front of people, being in front of an audience, and saying what's on my mind and telling people what I think. She, she, granted, she's you know a couple years older than I am. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but being a couple years older than I am, she's obviously not comfortable uh, and not comfortable with that, and she struggles with that, which is okay, and. I'm not going to get on her, make fun of her, ridicule her for that. Everybody's different in their own in their own in their own way. Some people struggle with being in front of with now she doesn't struggle obviously playing tennis in front of people because she's off the because she's one of the best players in the game right now. She she doesn't have necessarily have an issue with uh you know performing her craft which is playing tennis in front of people it's the in between it's the it's you know it's the walking onto the it's the walking onto the court before the match starts it's being interviewed you know on the interviewed on the uh on the stadium PA in front of everybody when the match is over it's being in that in that room and you know pre covid in front of you know in front of 50 75 100 people and getting asked questions with with cameras flashing in your face and and 10 video and 10 tv cameras you know just locked in front and center on your every movement and 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 documenting every single word and every single thought that comes out of your mouth it's that what gets her not not necessarily playing tennis in front of people because obviously Obviously, if that was an issue, performing and doing her craft in front of people, she wouldn't be on. She wouldn't be on top of the tennis world as she is today. But it's that. It's it's the it's the stuff in between, which, which I totally get and I totally understand. You know, as someone who's the exact, I I get it, I get it, and that everyone is comfortable speaking in front of people behind a microphone to a group of people. I totally get that, and I. I I get that and I understand that and I sympathize with her 100%. 100%. I get that. Totally get that. And for anyone who is going to criticize, especially when she comes out and she said, um, and she came out and she said um, that she didn't, she took, she had enough self-awareness and she took and she looked within herself and said, look, didn't mean to become a distraction and I could have handled this better. And you can't sit up here and say that she has anything personal against the against against the people that are just there to do their job because she gets that and she understands that, and she make and she says to Simon says, "Hey, to all of you journalists and you people in the media out there that are just trying to do your job, who I met, who I've met, and who I've interacted with, who I like." Nothing personal against you, and I'm not trying to hurt you or make life harder for you because at the same time, I got to do my job playing and performing on a tennis court, and you have to do your job getting answers out of me based on what I do on the tennis court. So this isn't in spite of anybody. This isn't to make anybody angry. 
And, you know, she doesn't want to be a distraction to everyone there who's at the French Open trying to do their job. So you can't sit up here and say, you know, she's doing it out of vengeance or doing anything else. This, this is just her. And if she wants to take as much time as she wants to get herself together and to get her head right, God bless her. And she should feel the need to do that without, without getting ridiculed. Things are bigger than sports, guys. Health and people's health is wealth. You know, her winning championships and the fame and the fortune and the money means nothing if she if she if she feels like the scum of the earth and 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 her being in front of and her like getting in that whole process just doesn't make her doesn't make her comfortable and it's got to deal with anxiety and all that stuff. it's not good it's not good cuz of cuz eventually cuz eventually what it's going to do if 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 it goes unchecked Eventually, it's going to leak into how she plays and how she performs. Because, because, because everyone that scream that has the chutzpah to scream and yell about her or how her how dare she do this, just go out there and play. Well, it, what you don't realize is that if she doesn't address this, eventually it's going to leak into how she plays. There's going to be a time where essentially her high-end talent isn't going to be enough to get the job done on a tennis court in a, you know, on a game-in, game-out basis. Or I should say, match-in, match-out basis. Because eventually, it's, it's, it's going to leak. Eventually, it's going to find, if it went unchecked, and if she didn't do anything about it, eventually, it's going to leak into her game. Which I, which I guarantee you is the last thing that she wants to have happen. She wants to be. She wants to be on the top of the tennis world as long as she pops. And she's and she's young. She's in her early twenties. She wants to. I think she's twenty three. Wants to be on top of her game as long as she possibly can. And if that means she's got to take some time off, so be it. As as Marshawn Lynch, and it's funny because there was a lot of parallels to her and Marshawn Lynch because. She, you know, it's the old Marshawn Lynch line I'm just, you know, that he said before the Super Bowl. I'm just here so I won't get fined. It's, it's another weird parallel to Marshawn on this front as well. Remember that, remember that press conference that Marshawn Lynch gave when he, came back for the, when he came back and joined the Seahawks in 2019 and played five games for him? And, he, and after the after playoff loss to, uh, to uh, the Packers, remember what he said? Said, take care of y'all chicken and take care of y'all mentals. Take care of your chicken, that's code for money, and take care of your mentals. Mentals meaning mental health, your brain. Saka's doing that. Her chicken may be taken care of, but she realizes that if her mentals ain't right and that ain't taken care of, eventually it's going to affect her chicken. Her wealth, her money, her bottom line, her play, her sponsorships. She realizes that and she's mature enough and has enough self-awareness to see that for what it is and stop the problem before, God forbid, it got worse. And you have to give her a ton, a ton of credit for that. And give her a ton of credit of saying, hey, I did, I did not handle this the best way. I didn't handle this as well as I probably should have. It's a 23-year-old woman, you know, a few years older than I am. You know, a, a quote-unquote kid, if you compare it to, say, a Serena Williams, who's been around the block for a little minute, knocking on 40 years of age. 
And anyone who, and any person, anyone's going to sit up here and call up a talk show or sit up here on the, as being little social media little warrior sitting behind a little dopey keyboard is going to sit up here and drag her and criticize her and critique her for doing this. You need to look at yourself in the mirror. You need to look at yourself in the mirror. You really do. Because you can sit up here and say and think, well, I, mental health, oh, it's overblown, people are soft. Do a little self-evaluation and, and get to know yourself a little more. Because not every day, I'm going to be transparent and honest with y'all, not every day yours truly is feeling, you know, high and mighty about himself especially what's gone on in the past year seeing people that look like me getting killed in the hands of the police every single year people rioting cities going up and smoking flames black folk getting killed the pandemic killing people left and right sadness and depression and anger every single where you look family members getting sick with covid graduation getting pushed back because of COVID never had no full closure to my senior year of high school because of COVID my college career to a certain degree getting wrecked because of COVID and that's just within the past year I'm not going to go into you know get all specific as far as family dynamics on it because y'all need to know all that sort of stuff that's personal and private but you don't think but if you think that you won't have stuff going on, think again. It may not be like to a certain degree where it's depression anxiety, but to it's like anxiety to the point where you have to like take a, a step back from like what you do for a living. But you don't think you know not everyone is can not everyone is there as far as their not everyone's you know on cloud nine all the time all hours of every single day it's 365 24 7 and if you think you are you need to do a little bit of self-evaluating and self-reflecting because not because not every not every moment and i'll be up for an honest with you, not every day for me is sugar is uh is peaches and cream sugar and spice and everything nice And for anyone to sit up here and criticize her and to ridicule her and how dare they or who are you? You're making all this money smarter than the other. Money does not solve all your problems. Solve some, makes your life better. But just because you have money and just because you're rich and just because you have fame and notoriety doesn't solve all your problems. And it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel what the regular average everyday human feels. I mean, what, go back and go back and look at go back and look at the famous people that you know have died via suicide or have died quote unquote too soon. They had fame, they had money, they had fortune. Doesn't mean that it solved all of their problems and that everything was right with them upstairs. And when you come out and you say it on social media or call up national talk shows. You, you A, you look like an ass first off, and B, you look really shallow, dense, and just out of touch with reality. 
because if that's the case, why why are celebrities that are worth millions, if not billions of dollars, every now and then, every now and again, you read and you hear such and such killed themselves, or such and such, you know, ended up getting sick and died and passed away. That that that's that's not just coincidence. Everybody's going through. Everybody can, and everyone at one point in time in their life has gone through something. And for people to sit up here and criticize and get on her for this, it's wrong. It's out of touch, and it's out of order, and it's not right. It's not right. And this is the type of thing that you cannot sit up here and be quote unquote cynical about. She came out and she said earlier in the statement, I read it for you, that she knows that this stuff is not to be taken lightly. So she ain't doing this just for clout or just to get out of doing media stuff. It's a little it's deeper than that. And you would think and with humanity today that you'd find it in your heart to, even if you don't totally believe her, just to give her the benefit of the doubt because she deserves it. Because she hasn't said or done anything to prove you otherwise that she's do, that she's using this and and hiding behind his mental health shield just because she doesn't want to spend twenty minutes talking to the media. And another thing that I saw and I'm getting sick and tired of seeing and hearing, and then then I'm a check right here right now is that don't you dare compare or tie in her activism as far as Black Lives Matter, social justice and whole nine yards don't compare and tie in what she did at the US Open wearing a mask with the with the black people that were abused slash killed by the police don't you dare tie it in or relate it to what what's going on what's going on uh with this situation as for her withdrawn from the French Open. Don't compare it, don't tie it in leave that out of it because a it's not fair and b it's it's totally totally inappropriate don't compare it leave it out of it that's not fair and it's inappropriate and not the, and not the time either not the time not the time and if you want to take and you shouldn't but if you want to take a cynical and or a and or a contrarian slash devil av, devil's advocate route to this you could say and you'd have a decent argument that the whole the the epicenter and the whole and the root of what she's been going through mentally in some way shape form or fashion is because of how Serena acted in the 2018 Women's Singles Championship at the U.S. Open a few years ago. If you want to take the, the contrarian devil's advocate route, you can say, and if you said it to me, I wouldn't argue with you, is that some, if not all of this, Serena Williams and her tantrum to a certain degree, it's to blame. And you'd have a solid, decent argument in saying so, in my opinion. 
Because she, she, Serena was her idol. She looked up to Serena. Serena was her favorite player. And how would you like it that you'd finally get the chance to play your idol, play the person that you looked up to for years? For years. You have a chance to star in a movie with them, sing a song with them, perform with them, act with them, play, play a game with them or against them. And that moment of opportunity comes. You outshine them. And you do better than them and win an award or, or, or beat them in a, in a tennis match, golf tournament, baseball, football, basketball, hockey game, soccer game, whatever. And the person that you looked up to that you would say that, that you know, your, 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 your claim to fame, your moment of glory, you expect them to come up there, open arms and say and, and, and congratulate you and say job well done. And in turn, all the attention that you would expect to be to put on you is now put on your idol who lost to you or did not perform as well as you and is there getting all the attention because they acted out or threw a fit, threw a tantrum, threw a tirade and, and, and you know, got mad, got mad, a, uh, got mad at, a, at a fan in attendance or... Or an umpire, or an official, referee, whomever. How would you like it? So if you want to take a contrarian route to this, and want to kind of toe the line with a quote-unquote controversial opinion, the one to be had is not whether or not this is legitimate, her, her what she's feeling is legitimate, not whether or not saying, oh, suck it up, deal with it, go out and play anyways. It ain't that. If you want to take, if you want to take a route and want to take a certain pattern with this, it's saying that, and you'd have a hell of an argument in making in making this point is that the root of this, and the epicenter of this, is when Serena went crazy at the U.S. Open in 2018, and essentially, as my generation likes to say, blew up her spot. And. Stole her attention, quote unquote, and her essentially having to live with that guilt and that feeling of dissatisfaction for the last what going on, uh, going on what three years? Show some compassion for some people, and again, want to take that that devil's advocate controversial contrarian route, you'd have a better time doing it and essentially saying, and no one will ever have the balls or the guts to say it, blaming Serena for being the root cause or the epicenter of her dealing with this depression, in particular with what happened at the U.S. Open as she, that she mentioned in her post than saying that she's using it just to avoid talking to the media for 25 seconds. But I totally get the other part where she says she suffers with the anxiety for blaming Serena for the depression part, but I totally understand the anxiety piece as far as not being comfortable, as far as, you know, when she's walking onto the court, having to essentially 
lose herself and with her headphones on and and her not being comfortable to speak in front of a microphone. As someone who doesn't struggle with that and who's the exact opposite when it comes to stuff like that, totally get it and I totally sympathize because not because not not everyone's Jai Shields who's comfortable babbling away and and appreciates the limelight and and loves being in front of a camera and behind a microphone. Totally get it and I totally understand it and I hope and I pray for uh, her best. And as Marshawn Lynch said, say it again. Take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. That's our show. Want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Amatelicatelius podcast. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please subscribe. Uh, follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. And the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore T-I-S. It is your boy, Jai Shields. I will talk to you on Saturday. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. Get vaccinated if you haven't already. See you.